Good to see everybody. Let's jump right into it. Wasn't that good this morning? How many came for the 930 early service? Awesome, awesome. It's, man, it was so good this morning. Um, and I, just so you guys know, if you guys, anybody wants to come to this second service, tell them they'll feel free to come to this at 1045 and leave early. That's not going to bother me a bit. If they want to leave it here at 1115 um, to go to the second service, that's fine too. So either way, cool. All right, let's get into this. Let's pray. This is so cool. So encouraging. Man. Good news. Lord, thank you so much for opening our eyes to see the awesome work you accomplished for us. Blue skies. Blue skies. Thank you for the open heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this new covenant. Help us see more and more as our roots go down deep in you and we're being built up in you that your prayer for us would be realized I give you my joy that your joy might be full Jesus name Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Amen. This is going to be hard. <laughs> Hold this mic, and, but we'll do it. We'll make it happen. Oh, no, just um, my eyesight. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get we'll get it all together eventually. Maybe next Sunday we'll have. It. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at this again in uh, Hebrews before we go too far past this this whole thing about the conscience. Um, I think it's so powerful to really see what the scripture is saying about the conscience um, because. We had a conscience before we were born of the Spirit. Every person who's lost has a conscience. And Romans chapter 2, as we read earlier, uh, Romans 2 says, well, let's look at that real quick so you can see it again if you haven't seen it already because it's really cool to see what God has done about the conscience as it relates to us now in Christ and the new covenant. So, so important. Okay. Let me just say this, that where I'm headed with this, because this is so cool. Having a cleansed conscience, having a good conscience, having a perfect conscience, which is what we now have in Christ, apart from obedience to commandments. That's the key. We now have, the scripture says, a perfect conscience apart from what we do or do not do is the key to going 
beyond the veil. That is what Hebrews is saying, and we're going to read it in chapter 9. This is so powerful. The, and what does that mean, going beyond the veil? We're not going to go over to Jerusalem and go behind some veil. What are we talking about? Right. We're talking about the presence of God. The, the tabernacle, the temple was made, like Clark said, it was made like man with spirit, soul, body. The outer court. Then you had the holy place, the uh, inner court. Then you had the holy of holies, which Hebrew says was behind the second veil. See, there was a first veil from the outer court to the holy place, one veil. Then the Hebrew says the second veil, which is the veil that was rent when Jesus died from top to bottom, opened the way to the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies in the temple was a perfect cube. Hey, Cooper. Perfect cube, a picture of heaven itself. Perfect cube, heaven itself. And the Hebrew says Jesus went into heaven itself, not in a tabernacle made with hands, which was a copy or a picture of the true tabernacle. <coughs> Copy being like a Xerox copy, it's a copy of the reality. So when we say going beyond the veil, this veil that was rent from top to bottom, we're talking about in here. The spirit of man has been joined to the spirit of God. Corinthians says the, the, the Lord's spirit joined to man's spirit has been made us one spirit with him. So the, the Holy Spirit would, when the Holy Spirit came to us when we believed and we received the gift of the Holy Spirit, our human spirit was, was literally joined, mingled with the Spirit of God. And now we're one spirit, Paul tells us. That is like the Holy of Holies, the presence of God within us. And what you know, I, what, what makes this new creation so cool is that we, we don't see our, how when we were born of him and raised in him, we don't see all our actions change and we're not acting perfectly all the time. And so sometimes we doubt that we are really new creations. And Paul, that's why Paul says, don't look at that which is seen, but look at that which is unseen. But he has written so many things that we can see and understand how this works so that it gives us faith to believe it's really true. For instance, in the Colossian letter, Paul says the Spirit of God, when He came into us and joined Himself to our human spirit. Now, everybody has a different reaction when that happens. This is what's so cool about this. This is real. This is not just some religion and doctrine, you know, you know learn the doctrine. No, you can tell me what, what you felt. Some people cried. Some people felt a load lift off their shoulders. Some people had, they just, just fell down in, in, in great peace. Some people wept. Some people laughed. Some people like, oh God, something physical happened outwardly. Everybody's got a different story. And it's wrong to say that you got to have a certain manifestation or it didn't happen to you. That's just religion. That you have to have this certain manifestation or it didn't really happen to you. That's baloney. Everybody's different. The Spirit manifests differently in all of us. But when you first believed, there are different ways the Spirit will manifest in different ways. Um, but it's a spiritual reality. Something happened. And you and I were never the same again. And some of us, like me, got into hearing too much religion. 
and that life that I first experienced and that joy began to be quenched. And what God is doing, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people tell me, hearing about the finished work of Christ, they've said, man, I feel like I've been born again again. <laughs> Have, haven't you? And, and, but they haven't been born again again. They're just getting back to the, to the, to the wind of His life and the blue skies they first experienced. It hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. But the enemy puts thoughts in our heads and tries to block this revelation from exploding within us. And so when the truth comes back like a sword, you know, it breaks those chains, that, that wrong thinking. And, we, and then that, that spirit is released and we go, wow. Isn't that cool? This is experiential, dude. This is not just doctrine. This is not theology. This is experiential. I love it. The Christian life is experiential. It's not intellectual. The intellect is involved, but the intellect has got to catch up with the spiritual. It's the mind that is being renewed by the spirit, not the other way around. And that's why it doesn't matter. Not many wise, not many smart, not many intelligent, not many educated get it. Because it's not a matter of the intellect. It's the spirit. And there's a spirit in every one of us. See, isn't that cool? God did it this way so that the wise would have to humble themselves. He makes every mountain low and every valley he, rises, he raises up. Isn't that cool? That's our God. Anyway, it's just so, it's just so cool to see that his, his way. Anyway, where was I? Okay. Okay, the veil, the veil. The good, perfect conscience we have in Christ is what we're going to look at again a little bit is the key the scripture teaches for us to experience in a greater and greater way the presence right here. We don't have to run from church meeting to church meeting to revival meeting to revival meeting. We don't have to run to find the presence of God anymore. That's also part of the religious thinking. You are the temple of the presence. And the more that dawns on us as you go to the workplace every day, as you rest by the pool on a Sunday afternoon, as you take your walks in the morning, as you have your coffee by the fireplace, as you read a book, as you meet with your your kids, your grandkids, as you walk and as you play Monopoly, as you, whatever, the presence. It's awesome. That's life. Just like Clark said, God didn't do all this just to modify our behavior. How boring. God could have done that. You know, Jesus said, I can make these stones sons of Abraham if I want to. That's not the point. What's the point? This is what the point is. Jesus said, I did all this so that where I am, you may be also. I want to be with you. God wants to be with us. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. That's the heart of God. From way in the beginning, he made Adam not to work for him. 
want to be with him. You come walk with him in the cool of the garden. You want to be with him. Your children, grandchildren, are they there because you want them to work for you? Just like God. See? Isn't that awesome? He loves to hang out with us. He loves to be with us. And he has made it so. And, and religion has kept us from seeing. You know, it's, it's like the Wizard of Oz, you know, Dorothy. The whole time she had the ruby red slippers. The whole time she could have gone home. The whole time. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. You see? You have within you now the presence. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. You are seated with him now in heavenly places. You have a perfect conscience because of Christ. You can't experience the presence. Let's look at this real quick. Romans chapter 2. We were just talking about how the conscience acted before a person became a believer. We all had the same experience. And the problem is we still have this experience as believers, and that's the problem. Watch this. This is so cool. Romans chapter 2. Let's just read verse 15, and we'll jump back to Hebrews. Romans chapter 2, verse 15. In that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. In that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Okay, let's stop right there for a minute. Let's look at that. It's really rich. Verse 15 is not a reference to the new covenant where God says, I'll write their, my law on their hearts and their minds. This is a reference to natural men with a fallen heart having the work of the law already in them from where? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, the Jews, when God gave the law to the Jews, when he gave the law and said, thou shalt not kill, that was already in the Jew's heart. It's, it was in the whole world's heart from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Jew's conscience was to be heightened, extremely heightened, that sin would become exceedingly sinful to prepare the way for the one who would come and bring righteousness. They were supposed to get it for the world, but only a remnant got it. They were supposed to, God was, was, was to mirror what was in man already from the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong, knowledge of good and evil. God was going to mirror in the Jewish people what was in man so man would come to the end of himself and say, I cannot do it. But the problem is that too many of them said, we can do it. <laughs> Blinded by their own self-righteousness, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. But a few, like Paul, realized after great <laughs> revelation by the Lord that he couldn't do it either. See, the Jewish people were to be the missionaries to the world. 
They were to take this revelation of a salvation that is of the Jew, but for all people, they were to take it to the world. And only a remnant actually did. Paul was one of them, and it changed the world. So what he's saying here is that before we were born of the Spirit, we all... Oh, oh, yeah, what I was going to say is that when, when, the, when the Jews got the Ten Commandments and it said, Thou shalt not kill, do you know what? Did they, were they shocked by that? Why? It's already there. See, it wasn't a revelation to say don't steal. They knew it. Yeah, it's not good to steal. Where'd they get that? It's not good to lie. Yeah, you're right. Where'd they get that? See, little children have that same knowledge of good and evil in, the, in their conscience and inside their fallenness from that tree even today. Kids know when things are not fair. Where do they get that? Sense of fairness? Sense of fairness in a child? Right? Wrong? See? So, before we were born of the Spirit, we all had this work of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil in us. And what happened was the conscience would either, as that scripture says in verse 15, either accuse us or defend us. Those are lawyer terms. Those are legal terms. The prosecutor accuses. The defense attorney defends. And so all of us had this going on in our heads that when we did something bad, the conscience would accuse us. And when we did something good, the conscience would defend us. You did good. You had a right to do that. You know, whatever. It's like that, that old, little red devil on this shoulder and the angel on this shoulder. You know, it's the same thing. See, man kind of knows some of this stuff. All right, so, so the problem with that is the conscience does not respond to anything but what you do. You get it? The conscience does not, cannot reveal who you are. Every fallen person has a conscience, and every person in that conscience, they either accuse themselves or they defend themselves by what they're doing. The Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God came and joined himself to your spirit, you and I were literally created new. And this is that verse I was about to say earlier. In Colossians, I love this verse in Colossians. Paul says that the Spirit of God, when he came in, he cut away the body of the flesh. Romans 8 says, now you are no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Notice he didn't say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is now flesh and spirit. In the mind of Christ, in the mind of God, when He created you new in Him, He literally cut away your body from your inner man, your invisible soul and spirit, which are distinguishable but inseparable. Soul and spirit, distinguishable but inseparable, because that's the real you. The real you was separated from the body of the flesh by a spiritual circumcision that is a miracle of God. That's why he said, I separated the real you 
from your sins as far as the east is from the west because you have literally been translated into another dimension. You have been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son in the spirit. Yet we still live in these bodies. We have this treasure in weak earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. You are expressing the real you through this body, through the brain, as the brain is able to handle it, as the spirit renews the mind, it gets out. You and I will bear more and more fruit as the years go by. The love of God will come forth out of you more and more, more and more, more and more. As we let this, this life simply push out as we abide. That is his way. As we received him, so walk ye in him. Like Clark said, he quoted Galatians. Did you receive the spirit? Did you receive, receive this new life by the keeping of the law or by the hearing of faith? The spirit came. This new life came because we heard a revelation and believed. Scripture says, as we received him, so walk ye in him. Doesn't change. God is not a bait and switch salesman that says, okay, I'll bait you to come in the store to buy these things that... This unbelievably low price, you get there and, and the salesman says, well, we only had one of those and we sold it at 6 a.m. But we have all these others that are like $100 more. Bait and switch. God doesn't bait and switch us. Oh, it's all by grace through faith. Come. It's all you're justified by grace through faith. But you're sanctified by obedience to the law. No. And that is the predominant teaching in the body of Christ today on this planet and I'm not overstating it you know that yes you're saved you're justified you have the gift of righteousness by grace through faith but buddy in order to be more holy you are the, the law is the rule of life the law is what helps you get more holy and, and to be obedient to commandments is what makes you more holy and just like Clark said the law cannot bring forth the life because the law is not of faith, Galatians says. The scripture says the law is the very strength of sin. Even as a believer, the law continues to be the strength of sin. Why? Because it's not of faith. What releases the life is faith. He who believes on me, Jesus said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You see that? So, you guys, we are on, we are on the verge. You feel it? I mean, is it getting so clear? It's like, oh my God. Are you seeing this? We, I'm saying, this is so awesome. It's what he purchased for us. Every day. Life abundant. The present. If you will not move from this, if you'll hold fast your confession of faith without wavering, you and I will continue to experience an entrance into the Holy of Holies with all boldness right here in a greater and greater way as the years and months go by. 
Joy unspeakable and full of glory is what those saints had. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Religion hated it. The Pharisees called the early church the because the, uh, they, they kept referring to the kingdom and the, the, the Pharisees called the early church the kingdom of arrogance because they boldly proclaimed that they were righteous in Christ. And the religion called them the kingdom of arrogance because they saw righteousness as a function of their doing, as their obedience. And they would say, how dare you say you're righteous? That's what Jesus meant when he said, think not that I have come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And then right after that, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? And then he turns right around and looks at a prostitute and says, do you see her looking at the Pharisees? Because they thought he, he was bragging on them, you know, like, see, see? Unless you get better than me, you're not going to make it. I must be pretty good. And then Jesus turns to the prostitute and says, she will enter my kingdom before you, Pharisee. What? <laughs> what he was saying was that the right, your righteousness must be perfect. She would receive the gift of righteousness before the Pharisee would receive it. That's why he used the word before. She will come to the end of herself before you, Pharisee. Isn't that awesome? To destroy the law and the prophets would be for Jesus to come and say, my father has told me to let you know that it's just too hard to keep. We're going to knock off five of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> That's, that would be the destroying of the, of the law and the prophets. We're going to lower the standard so we get more people in here. It's getting lonely up here. <laughs> that's, why, that's what it means. He said, no, no, we haven't, I'm not come to destroy it. It's, the standard is still perfection. I've come to fulfill it. As Clark said, so awesome when he said the new covenant is God. I'm going to do my part and I'm going to do your part too. Good news. Okay, let's go real quick. Oh my gosh. Okay, look, look at this. Uh, let's back to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 9, if you would. Oh, and by the way, get this. This is so cool. When that second veil rent, there were two compartments there was the, the holy place, then the holy of holies. Well, when you remove the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies, if the holy place is all about the soul and the holy of holies is all about the spirit, when you remove the veil, there's just one chamber there. But there's still the other veil that separates the body. He cut away you from your body. You see it? That's why Romans says, the spirit will put to death the deeds of the body. 
It doesn't say he'll put to death the deeds of your old man. The old man's gone. The old man is dead. The old man doesn't gradually die. By definition, death is death. You know, you don't gradually die. It's just like you're not, you're not a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either dead or alive. When God does stuff, he does it. Like Clark says, he does it. He does it all. He does it perfect, and he's finished. So, what was that? I just lost a thought. It was about the, uh, the veil. The holy place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the spirit puts death to deeds of the body. See, the old man is a, real quick, the old man was you and I joined to the flesh with a dead spirit. Alienated from the life of God. In the flesh from the race of Adam. That's why Paul spends a lot of time in Romans 5 and 6 talking about the race of Adam. Those in Adam and those in Christ. That's why Jesus is called the last Adam. The new race, the new creation. Okay, the moment, the moment you believed, the Spirit of God cut away the body of the flesh. As Romans 7 says, we once were in the flesh, joined to the flesh, but now through the body of Christ on the cross, we've been severed because judgment fell on Him instead of us, severing us from the Adamic race raising us with him who was raised from the dead spiritually a new creation when he did that he literally ended the old man the old man cannot exist anymore see the old man is a function of being in the flesh when you're not in the flesh the old man ceases to be there's only a new man left isn't that cool you don't have we don't have to struggle with believing this God gave us enough clues in the scripture that if we will let the spirit open our eyes and not let religion drown us in religion, you'll see this. We'll see this more powerfully than ever. I know we already see it. We see it. But I'm saying we're going to see it more and more and more to where we can teach others. As Hebrews says, we want you to, I wish that you were teaching others, you know, help, help the saints, help the saints see this. Help the saints that are struggling with, oh, I remember, I've, I, I can't tell you how many people have told me until they heard this the clear message of the finished work of Christ. I can't tell you how many people have told me, wow, you know, I've struggled all my life believing that God loved other people, but I just really didn't know for sure that he loved me. And this gospel, the gospel, breaks through for a personal revelation of how much he loves you. Isn't that awesome? There are saints out there right now that are depressed. Depressed. They're not sure if God loves them. And you and I can help them. Isn't that awesome? That's what this is all about. God is so wanting to set his bride free. I remember one, one morning I was going to work in, this, in the office building where my office was at that time. And I walked in, I was, it was called Cold Windy Day. And there was this little old lady, she was trying to get in in those big old glass doors, you know, with the wind blowing really hard to open these office buildings, you know. And so she was trying to open this big old glass door. And I came up behind her and I grabbed it you know, like this and said, no problem, you know. And so she, she walked in and looked at me like that and she said, she said, thank you. 
I was waiting for someone to come help me. When she said that, the Spirit of God just spoke to me. He said, that's my bride. I don't see her like that. But that's the condition she's in. It's like the, like the Lord was saying, that's my bride. She's struggling. She can't get through the door. You can help her. Jesus got so angry at the Pharisees. He said to them, you had the, the key of knowledge, which is the revelation of Christ in the scripture. And you did not enter in and you hindered others who were trying to enter in. Religion is doing that to this day. They're not entering in because they don't believe. And they're hindering others from entering in to the presence. We have a good conscience because of Christ, not because of what we do. And that is one of the big keys to experiencing the fullness. Paul said this to Timothy. He said, First Timothy, he said, the goal of our instruction, the end of all our teaching, is love. Coming from a new heart, a good conscience, and a genuine faith. New heart, good conscience, genuine faith is what brings the love. Let's look at this real quick. Chapter 9, Hebrews. Look at chapter 9, verse 6. Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priest are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, that's the Holy of Holies, only the high priest enters once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is signifying, signifying this, that the way into the holy place, meaning the Holy of Holies here, has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing. In other words, as long as there was a holy, a holy place where they did the, the table of showbread and the menorah, the candlestick, the altar of incense, as long as they had that going and, the, and the, the sacrifices and the worship going on there and the veil remained and the, a man could only go behind that veil once a year into the Holy of Holies, the scripture says the Holy Spirit was signifying that, that the way into the presence of God was not yet made manifest. But it was a picture of something coming because he would go in there once a year. Okay, now look at this. Verse 9, which is a symbol for the present time he says at present time because the temple had not yet been destroyed in 70 AD when he wrote this letter. A symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. Cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. Since they relate only to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation. Now, there are too many believers, new covenant believers, that still see themselves in that situation. 
where what they do is all outward. The conscience is still accusing them. You see? Look at this, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as, as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctified for the cleansing of the flesh... How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Why does it say cleanse your conscience from dead works? Because the conscience alternately accuses us or defends us. So in order for us to appease the conscience... We do works. So we don't have the, the conscience accusing us. Just like Clark said, we try to balance the good with the bad. Dead works in the eyes of God. It's dead works. It doesn't bring righteousness. But it's the natural way we respond to the conscience who alternately, which alternately accuses us or defends us. What he's saying here, saints, is that you and I can be cleansed from dead works knowing that now there's a higher authority than the conscience that declares you and I righteous with the righteousness of God. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It is the word of God higher than, the, than our conscience, which is exactly why John says in 1 John, if our heart, and there he refers to the conscience as being part of the inner working of the, of the person, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows all things. He knows who you are. You're his child. The conscience does not respond but to only things we do. The spirit reveals who we are. God knows all things. The spirit knows all things. The spirit will reveal to you who you are. And if you're a son, you're an heir. You don't work for this. It's not wages. You inherit it. You're born of him. You're of his flesh and blood and bone, one with him. Jerusalem above is your mother. You're from there. You're going back there. Isn't that awesome? That, that is light years ahead of a conscience that is of the earth, a fallen man that we all had that is judging you by what you do or not do. In fact, it is the avenue by which the enemy comes in to accuse you. If you, you short-circuit that accusation, and even the other, the good part, because you don't want to be self-righteous either. If you bypass that and let the Spirit show us who we are in Him and receive the perfect conscience because of what Christ did, then... The way into the Holy of Holies. Nothing can stop you.
presence. Nothing can stop you. The cherubim were sent to guard the way to the tree of life with flaming swords turning every which way. They're like the conscience. The cherubim were embroidered on the great veil as God told Moses. When the veil was rent from top to bottom, the cherubim stood aside. The same cherubim that guard the way to the tree of life. Just like the conscience. God has removed the flaming swords. The way to the tree of life is open. His name is Jesus. Awesome. The bread of life. The tree of life. Right here. Within us. Peter chapter 3 says, it's like Noah's flood. God judged the whole world through Christ. And now we have a good conscience by the resurrection of Christ. That's Peter. Good conscience, perfect conscience, cleansed conscience. Secret to experiencing what he purchased for us within And I want to say this, saints, and we'll wrap it up. As we're growing and learning, you know, this is one, you know how the enemy has strategies. I can tell you right now, he's, demons are trembling at this. The enemy is trembling at this because, you know, it's, Every time he begins to come forth, he squelches it through history. Be aware of one of the strategies. This is one of the strategies. He will get you thinking that you know so much that you may come across to other saints as I know and you don't. That's an enemy strategy. We only know what we know because we've received it as a gift. Just be aware. I don't think anybody in this room does that. But just be aware. That's, you know, the enemy right now is going, dang! I had it planned for ten of them. Ugh. No, but really, be aware of that. Because we're, and even those who are not believers... You know, we don't have anything that we didn't receive as a gift. Paul said this. He said, if any man thinks he knows anything, just let him know he doesn't know anything like he should know. <laughs> and then he says, and no one has, no one has received, everything that we've received, we've received as a gift. Amen. So nobody can boast in this revelation. So just be aware, this is one of the strategies of the enemy, is to knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And so we, we now, as servants... We reach out to those who don't see, whether they're believers or unbelievers, to help them, encourage them, and be encouraged by them, being mutually blessed by our faith, Paul says. Receiving encouragement. Isn't that cool? I love just kicking evil's butt. Okay, guys, thanks so much for your encouragement and your prayers.
let's pray for each other. Let's encourage each other. And uh, remember him. He did it for us. He did it for us. And uh, my brother and I, Robert, we used to, well, we still do from time to time in our emails, we'll say at the end of our emails, we'll say, for the king. For the king. Yeah. <coughs> it's for the king. Awesome. Amen. Our king gave himself for us. Amen. Awesome. I, I don't think people read, like Christians read. I don't think we realize. We don't. You're right. The work he did. We don't. It was just more than dying in that cross. That's right. And he's so humble. He's so humble. So, such a such a humble king to give us to give us everything Lord thank you so much I pray that the spirit of God in us would continue to open our eyes to the deep things of God who can know the thoughts of God but the spirit of God who has been given to us that we might Know the things that are freely given to us in Christ. For all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. Lord, I pray a blessing on my brothers and my sisters. And I thank you, Lord, so much for this grace, this abundant grace, this gift of righteousness, this perfect conscience this new heart, this genuine faith that responds to the truth, this great love of God that's in us, the presence, the presence. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Fear not, little flock. It is my Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. For your righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And this is your inheritance. Be at peace. Be at peace. Amen.